we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, boys are back, and this is our first episode helping countdown all the days to K-State versus Stanford in Arlington, previewing the season. We are dropping a show every single weekday from now until kickoff, and it is Blitz Month. Mason Voth is our first guest, but before we jump in and hear that sexy, sexy theme song, I just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Spotify Greenroom. We are going live every Wednesday, that is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. to talk about the Cats. Everyone is going to get their chance to get their previews in. We're going to be asking the Blitz Week questions to the Boneheads, and we are going to have a grand old time. I can't wait for it all season long, Wednesday at 7 p.m., Spotify Green Room available for Apple, iPhone Store, and the Android Store. Everyone can join in. It's going to be a fun football season over on Spotify Green Room with your favorite podcast, Bosco's Boys. It's the moment of the evening every K State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco Boys. Bosco's Boys. Come on, boys. The boys are back, and as part of Blitz Month, where we are going to be previewing the K-State football season quite a bit over this month, is one of my favorite folks in the world. He is the host of the game plan on Fox Sports Wichita. Catch him on K or KGSO Radio on 1410 AM or 93.9 FM every morning from 6 to 9 a.m., also, if you want to see his beautiful face, he's, they're broadcasting live on Facebook. He's also, in my opinion, the youngest boomer in the world. It's the man, the myth, the legend, Mason Both. Mason, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. That's probably an accurate way to describe me. I, I tend to take the argument and the side of things that most older people would uh, tend to side on. But there are things that will kind of surprise you. I like to put a... Uh, a young man's twist on being a boomer, you know, where I'll, I'll zig in a couple of spots where I should normally zag. Well, I, I will say, and I'm not going to get into too much detail because, you know, I don't want to get ripped to shreds on social media 
sometimes you and I agree on some things and we DM back and forth on Twitter. So while I like to give you a little bit of trouble, I'm not too far away from you on a handful of things. Yeah, no, I, I mean, we're recording this the day after uh, the gymnast oh, Olympic meltdown. No, 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 no. I don't want I do not. I want no smoke because I said something in a group. Hey, you, you get no shredded. smoke. No, you didn't say anything to me about it, but I was just going to say that's one of those things that a lot of people my age are going one way on, and even some people that are way older than me are going a different way on it. I've gone a slightly different route where, like, I've got a lot of sympathy and compassion for what Simone Biles is going through. She's got the yips. That's all it is. I don't think it's anything more. I don't think it's anything less. And, like, this isn't how her Olympic story should have ended. It's not. But that doesn't mean she can be free from criticism or anything because if LeBron James was in the same stance, we'd be crushing him for pulling himself out of an NBA Finals game or something. So there are just some of those things where I think, you know, uh, I try to uh, – I tend to agree with a line of thinking that is held by people a little bit before me. And that probably, you know, stands out too in the way I talk about football sometimes as well. Yeah, I, I will say I've evolved a little bit on the whole Simone Biles because I had a conversation with the gymnast and she, she basically said, hey, look, the type of stuff she's doing, if you're not in the right headspace, you yeah. can seriously get hurt. So I've evolved that a little bit, but I, I definitely don't want to go down that route. I don't want to get yelled at by people on Twitter. I'm trying not to get in Twitter fights as much as I used to. Yeah, I mean, there's already one guy on this show that does that enough for the both of you. So, well, yes, uh, yes. Just leave that to him. Grant, honestly, good for Grant for going this long without getting banned on Twitter. You know, I thought he was going to get banned for pretending to be Brett McMurphy for like 12 hours. Um, he even had uh, Kirk Bulls from the American Statesman in his DMs, and they were talking. It was hilarious. Um, but yeah, that's well, that's the least shocking thing. Of, like of all the guys that he could probably, you know, yank in and, and like get to play along with, that that may be Brent McMurphy. Like, of course, it would be Kirk Bulls. You know, well, he's an idiot because it, Grant didn't change. It's still the Grant underscore KSU. So he's just Kirk was just being an idiot. So let's dive into things because, uh, you know, things are wild. Just for everyone's acknowledgement, we are recording this on July 28th. Shit's moving very fast. Um, so, you know, the, a couple of these things obviously could change by the time folks hear it, but let's just dive in. You are doing, like I said, sports talk down in Wichita. There's a lot of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State fans down there. Um, we all know how K-State fans have been reacting you and I are entrenched in on Twitter. We're both K-State graduates. So we know we know K-State's take on it. What has the Oklahoma and Oklahoma State reaction been to this news? I've I've actually been kind of shocked about like the Oklahoma fans that I I, I know and that I'm around and that you kind of get a feel from typically. I, I haven't heard them say or do a whole lot on this. I they've been fairly silent about it. And I I kind of give Oklahoma a pass in this whole situation, not all the way because I'm slightly disappointed in how they acted, but Oklahoma understands that they can't exist without Texas in reality. I've kind of the analogy I've been using all week that a lot of people that listen to my show probably don't understand because of, again, age and everything, but I essentially compare them to Voldemort and Harry Potter, where essentially those two could not exist without each other 
the reason why they hold so much significance is because of each other. Why is, you know, Harry Potter such a big deal? Well, because he's the boy who lived. He's the one that Voldemort couldn't kill. And he, now he's the guy that has to go and stop him. And on the other end, Voldemort, well, everybody would just have to learn to deal with him if it wasn't for having hope that you could put a stop to it. And Oklahoma understands that they need Texas to survive. That's the rivalry that kind of makes everything go for them. And that's kind of the measuring stick. That's what drives you to be better. At, you know, for K-State, we'd like, we would like for it to be, oh, you want to be a national champion. You want to do all this. In reality, what drives K-State and K-State fans is we just want to have something that we can talk to shit to KU people about. And that's, that's what drives us. And for KU people, sometimes it's K-State, other times it's Mizzou. And KU, I think, probably misses Missouri. And Missouri probably misses KU. They're in that same type of boat. So Texas is the one that I put a lot of blame on. And they're the ones that I've seen the fans that are incredibly insecure about where Texas is athletically over the last decade plus now that are boasting about going to the SEC and how excited they are and how deserving of it they are. When in reality, Texas is just lucky that they have the name, the alumni base, the location, and the long history and standing where Oklahoma, they're the one that is most deserving out of anybody to move into the SEC. Their football plays at an SEC level. They've played basketball at a level that's up there with outside of Kentucky, nobody else in the SEC. They'd be the second best SEC basketball school, maybe Florida. And so I think Oklahoma fans understand that and realize that to some extent. And they've handled this with a lot more grace than they, they certainly could. And I wouldn't fault them, I guess, for, for being a little over the top and saying, look at us, we're going to the biggest and baddest football conference. But I also wonder if there's a part of that where maybe there's a little bit of fear in there where you don't want to bite off more than you can chew because you've dominated the Big 12, but are you really ready to face what the SEC has to offer week in, week out? And, and they may not be. So um, I think for Oklahoma fans, They've been respectful in the process, I guess, is the way that I would put it. When it comes to Oklahoma State, I think they're just kind of in the same boat as, as we are as K-State people, where they're just kind of looking for answers. They're hurt by it a lot more than we're going to be because it's a school that's just, you know, an hour or two south of them, and they should be joined at the hip. But the same thing is going to end up happening to, to people like us if, if KU does get to jump for the Big Ten and K-State's left without a paddle or something. But I think that Oklahoma State is in just a much more similar situation to us. And maybe they're hoping and praying a little bit more that their Board of Regents steps in and does something crazy to stop this. But that's not going to happen at this point. No, I think you're correct. And I think that's an accurate description. Luckily, it sounds like, because my first initial thought was, oh, shit, KU is going to go to the Big Ten. Maybe Iowa State, too. Luckily, all the smoke basically – Ever since the initial reactions, the Big Ten has no interest in those two schools, so that's making me feel a little bit better. Um, but you're right. I mean, I, I think uh, I think we'd be acting the exact same way as Oklahoma State fans if it was KU jumping to the Big Ten. I'm going to say, say this, and uh, I, I love that Voldemort uh, in Harry Potter reference. That's great, great imagery from you, so I want to give you kudos for this. Here's my question. You know, I've asked this to a couple people. How beta does Texas look going to the SEC, basically following A&M instead of trying to, you know, forge their own path and saying, hey, try to go to the Big Ten or, you know, there was all the talk for the longest time of, oh, maybe going to the ACC. Um, the fact that, you know, the Big Ten even earns more than the SEC with their TV contract. 
I mean, for me, I understand it, whatever, the perception, yada, yada, yada. But man, does it look like they're just the puppy who got caught shitting inside, you know, going back to follow A&M. And if I was an A&M fan, you know, I would be taunting the hell out of them. Oh, absolutely. I, I think because Texas kind of brought this on themselves. Texas is the one that that drove these other schools out of the Big 12 the first time around in 2011 and around that time. And at that point, that drove AM to look elsewhere. They found an avenue for it. And AM strikes it at the exact right time. I mean, that's going to end up being two years after, like two years after the first national championship that Saban wins against Texas. And the SEC explosion takes off from that point right there where you're, you're diving into this like sweet spot where Saban wins, Cam Newton goes to Auburn and wins. And from that point forward, we only talk about the SEC in football and the others if they're going to be somewhat of a threat. And so A&M got in kind of on the ground floor of the SEC big headedness that goes on. And it ended up helping them in the recruiting game. I thought the most significant thing that I've seen on this in Twitter is Max Olson put out the, the pie charts of four and five star recruits in Texas and where they've gone it, over like the last five years A&M was in the Big 12. And then since A&M went to the SEC and A&M has closed that gap significantly on Texas and has become the second best recruiter in the state. And I, I think that the SEC, the draw of, thinking you could maybe get your lead back by having that advantage of being in that conference is what drew Texas back. But yeah, they, they do look like, you know, they, they made a little brother type move right here where they were, they were late on something and they decided that they had to follow A&M as opposed to thinking that if they were so big and bad enough, they could go start something on their own and either stay in the big 12, which I don't know if this happens if Texas runs the big 12, but they're not. And so they decided they needed to find something else, a different angle for them. Like if Texas could go to the ACC or the Pac-12, they could make their own way there because there's nobody else that, if you look at it, should be better than Texas in football. So I, I think that them going to the SEC is kind of a defeatist move and just them understanding, well, let's take the money, let's hope we get better, but it's not a given and we may just have to be okay being in the middle of a conference and if we're going to do it, it might as well be the SEC and not the Big 12. There you go. Let's shift to K-State because uh, we are we are previewing the K-State football season over the course of the month of August. Um, how much weight do you put into last season when it comes into projecting the future of K-State football in the climbing era? Are you someone who's like throwing out last season because, you know, all the stuff that happened? Are you someone who thinks too many people are minimizing uh, you know, what happened last year in an attempt to project out more confidence from Chris Klein. Uh, I think where I'm at right now, like location-wise, I think there are too many people that are maximizing what last season was and minimizing what took place in year one. And also forgetting, again, and I said it from the very start before, you know, even a one Chris Kleiman game was played, but it was the fact that you're in a situation where year one isn't going to look good and year two is by far and away going to be the most challenging year of Chris Kleiman's time at K-State. And then throw into the mix that that most challenging year that we knew even in a normal time was going to be there. You throw in the pandemic and everything else, 
You have, you know, the, the social justice movement that takes place over the summer going into that second year. And there was a lot of good that came out of that. And the only issue is there were not a lot of, well, there were a lot of good, but there were not so great guys that in the way that they handled it with K-State. Now, the ones that struggled handling it well, they are all gone already. You know, there's been a cleaning of the house that I was much needed for them. So I think because of everything that was going on behind the scenes last year, uh, I, I think I don't think you can judge Chris Kleiman on that season too terribly difficult. I, now, there are certain things where over the course of it, you can kind of look at and individually say, that's not great. That's not encouraging. But I'm not going to be too hard on judging Chris Kleiman. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will be happy when I say this because I don't give Matt Campbell a ton of credit for having Iowa State's best season ever in the year where everybody's dealing with a pandemic, where congrats, you won nine games in a season where you're playing teams that, you know, 12 hours before they kick off against you are finding out that 15 guys aren't available to play and you're getting to take, you know, some advantage of that. So like, I, I don't put much stock into anything that happened with anyone last season. Because at the end of the day, the teams that we knew were going to be good were still good. And then the fridge, the fringe okay teams, they were kind of that, but some of them were down, some of them were up higher. So um, I, that's why I think year three is so big for Chris Kleiman is he's got to come out and this year is going to be all about proving was year one what Chris Kleiman really is or is year two what Chris Kleiman really is? Definitely. I think this has been a topic at least for a handful of seasons. And, you know, some folks would say it goes back since we had Tyler Lockett. Other folks try to say since Byron Pringle. Byron Pringle, if you remember his K-State tenure, uh, wasn't as reliable as, you know, you, you wish he would have been. But will this finally be the year the wide receivers figure it out? Or will it be another season where they're trying to be dependent on guys who just can't seem to come through? Well, based off the history, the answer should probably be no. but then you kind of do the whole sports logic of, well, things have been so bad and things have struggled so much there that maybe we finally get this thing turned around. I, I, I do think they figure it out this year because a big element of it is just going to be health. And hopefully you, you get lucky this year and you get your way through it. But I mean, I, Malik Knowles, every time that he has actually been able to play at 100% has looked like the real deal. My guy, Sebastian Taylor, just keeps keeps grinding it out. One of these years, he's gonna he's gonna blow up finally. And I think you know he'll be pretty significant this year. They obviously you know understand now that finding transfer tight ends is gonna work out. We're gonna see what how this goes down this year. Um, so I, I think that the wide receivers and the guys catching the balls do get it figured out this year, and they seem to be high on some of the other guys that we haven't seen a ton of yet, or guys that are um, fresh into the program. So. I do think it gets figured out, but really it's going to hinge on what Malik Knowles does. It doesn't really matter what even Sebastian Taylor does or anybody else that is a receiver. If Malik Knowles has a good year, we're going to say that this the answer to this question was yes. If he gets hurt and, and misses a couple games and is only at 65%, we're going to say it was another failure. For sure. Old Chauncey's trying to get into the podcast by squeaking oh. the toy, yeah. Well, was, that's no, that's all right. Yeah, he's just running off. We're a fan podcast. Hey, come on. Here, here, take this cheap one. We're a fan podcast, so we're not, I'm not too worried about it. So the next question, and this has been the big one personnel-wise, basically since the end of last season is, 
you know, there's so much, so much angst and chatter amongst the fans when it comes to linebacker. The staff seemingly seems good about it. Klanderman and Springsteads, the deepest position. They only grabbed Munoz, who everyone is projecting as a depth piece, not a starter. They even turned away some guys, uh, you know, in the portal who would have been upgrades talent-wise, but wasn't a fit culturally. Um, where do you think the linebackers are going to land on the spectrum this season? Well, I do think that culturally that's going to be a significant thing that has to get figured out uh, now. So I get why they would do that. I'm not very confident in how the linebackers are shaping up at this point in time. One of my big concerns is you can be deep, like you can have a lot of guys, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's good depth. They could all be around the same level, but not be very strong. So I have my concerns there. I don't think that there are a lot of guys right now that have great potential for the upcoming season. And probably the thing that concerns me the most about the linebackers is K-State's been a pretty poor tackling team over the last however many years. And, you know, Chris Kleiman was talking at Media Days about some of the challenges of how things are going now with practice time and you're not you're not doing enough hitting and he said guys like draw mcpherson they don't need a hit every day in practice because they're good but it's tough to get other guys to to learn how to tackle and do what you got to do and so when you're breaking in a linebacking core that is going to be so inexperienced and maybe doesn't have the most talent in the world that really concerns me and so i think that it's going to come down to uh probably hoping that teams throw the ball a lot on k-state and then the defensive line is able to, to patch this thing together. Um, I, I mean, I don't want to get too far out in front of myself, but I, I'm a little concerned about what Brees Hall could do to K-State this year because if they don't stop him after a yard or two, he's going to be getting about nine per carry, if not more. Well, I think that's false. I think we're going to, you know, hold Brees Hall to like 12 yards. But we'll move on. We'll, we'll check in with you during Farmageddon week. and uh, yeah. Well, well hopefully, hopefully something changes between now and then. Um, so now it's time to get I Mason. Oh, yeah, I hope so, too. Otherwise, it's, uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, now, like I said, now it's time to get Mason on the record with our weekly, or it used to be uh, Blitz Week predictions, now it's Blitz Month predictions. Uh, Mason's at a little bit, you know, at, 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 you know, the short end of the stick, whatever metaphor you want to use, but he's one of the smartest dudes we know. We believe in him, so we think he can, you know, have a good prediction segment. So the first one is going to be who is going to be the offensive MVP. Well, you you laid it out to me that it can't be Skyler no, or no, no, Deuce. No, no, no. Time out, time out. That's a sub question. Oh, okay. So you can pick okay. Deuce or Skyler. Okay. Then there there will okay. be a follow up. Well, then I mean <laughs> it is it's going to be Skyler. I mean we saw how horrific it was last year without him, and I know that. Everybody says that Will Howard has made these big strides and all that other stuff. Will Howard making big strides from last season, there aren't strides big enough for me to believe that he would be able to, to help K-State in a significant way this year. So I think Skyler is going to be huge. Deuce will be the best player, but for a most valuable player, it's absolutely going to be Skyler this year. Okay, so now it's the follow-up. I probably should, I probably need to phrase that a little bit better in the uh... – question so okay if, if you're taking deuce and skyler out of the picture who would be your pick? well i think going off of what we saw last year i'm just going to try and hope it translates over 
but I'll go with Daniel or Daniel Matter Bebe. I think he's going to be the guy that comes through. One, because I don't know that Malik Knowles and Sebastian Taylor are going to be healthy. I hope they are. I think if they are, they're going to be really talented. No one's um, scary. No one's scary. And Matter Bebe is hurt all the time, too. I know. I know. But, uh, you know, Briley was coming off an injury, too, and he made it through just fine. So hopefully a change of scenery makes everything better for him. But I, I think just based off of what we saw last year, how important Briley was to the offense, where you take him away in some of those games, it, it's a lot scarier to think of where they're at. Because even if you just have Deuce, who made a lot of great plays, Briley had some pretty key moments, especially like even that Texas Tech game, which really could have made or broke the season last year. If they lose that, everything is, looks even worse. So I, I think that's where I lean just because I, I can't rely enough on the other guys. I think he's going to see his uh, fair share of targets. For sure. Now we'll move on to defense. Last year, White Hubert was the one we had to put a uh, disclaimer on. But you know what? I don't think there is that guaranteed guy. So who do you think is going to be the defensive MVP? That, yeah, that's, uh, that's a tough call because I'm not sure that there's anybody. I'm, I'm a little scared to watch K-State on defense this year. So if honestly, if OU in Texas wanted to leave the Big 12 this year, it may just be a good thing. Like rip the bandaid off. We don't want to we don't want to see Spencer Rattler chucking the ball around. But I think it's tough because I like I I was thinking through it all last night and today who I would have picked. And I still just don't have any certainty on it. But I think it's just going to come down to if you like leadership or, or the, the high potential of it all. But I would probably say that Julius Brents is going to be the, the top guy. I mean, he seems to have the most talent. He seems to be the person we're going to rely the most on. So I, I do think uh, I, he's probably got to be the pick. But I would say a, a dark horse with that would probably be Timmy Horn because they keep talking about him left and right. And to set a tone up front, um, I think could be significant. So there may be a chance at the end of the year that we're talking a lot about how he played. This might be a hot take, especially since we haven't seen him since he came in, I think as a freshman with Charlotte, but my hot take prediction is Timmy Horn gets drafted and gets the draft streak to two next year. So put that, put that in your back pocket. Um, okay. I can look, well, I'm, I can I'm look super smart in like 10 months, but we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm not going to hold my, well, Not and nobody will remember if you said Timmy Horn gets drafted by the end of the year, like whatever, you know. That's it, true. Now we, it would be different if you said, like, if you said Skyler was going to get drafted, people would hang on to that the entire year, and every week they'd be checking back in, and be like, ah, I just went through the most recent seven-round mock draft. No Skyler. I think Skyler gets to the Senior Bowl and is an undrafted free agent, makes it to training camp, but is part of the first cuts for an NFL team bounces around on a practice squad, and then becomes a GA in 2023. That's my official Skyler post-college prediction. Anyone can check in on that one. So now let's get into who you think the young breakout player on offense is going to be. We're going to say young breakout being a freshman or sophomore who is yet to make a major impact. So who do you think that will be on the offensive side of the ball? Well, let's see. Deuce hasn't won the Heisman yet, so I guess we can uh, give it to him. No. <laughs> Well, Tom, uh, Tom, if you're willing to go on the record and say that Deuce is going to win the Heisman or be a first-team All-American, I will allow you to say Deuce. But if no, you're not willing I, to go that far, I'm not going to let you do that. 
unfortunately, I don't think that will happen. So I'll go with I'll go with one of the guys that's going to fall in line behind him because he's he's like the K State sweetheart. Everybody wants him to be the man that is going to have you know significant time and and make a, a decent impact. But I think it'll help to have Jacardier Wright and the, the the way he was talked about kind of shocked me because I I started to think that maybe he was going to get written off and we may never see him again. And all of a sudden, I mean, his name unprovoked starts coming up at, at Big 12 Media Days. And, and to me, that's kind of my barometer for uh, figuring out, like, what a guy has thought of. Like, when he is brought up unprovoked, that means something. Like, when Chris Kleiman kept finding ways to shoehorn Will Howard's name into conversations when he wasn't mentioned, it's like, all right, we're going to see Will Howard play this year regardless if Skyler stays healthy or not. Like, there are going to be things for him. And so I think Jacardia Wright is going to have uh, – somewhat of a role this year and is going to be somebody that you can rely on to give the ball to past Deuce Vaughn, who um, may, I mean, may get kind of typecast into a little situation where he's not carrying the ball as much as he is doing things where he's catching the ball out of the backfield. So you need somebody that will actually take those carries and carry the ball uh, slightly better than Harry Trotter. And I think Jacardier Wright could do that. I hope so. And you know what? Harry Trotter had a couple games where he actually was all right. Hey, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to put you in your channel. You can't be doing that. All right. Uh, mm -hmm. So the, the next question is going to be, and I think there are more obvious candidates for this one, or maybe not. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what you have to say, but who's going to be your young breakout player on defense? This is another tough one. I, it's, it's crazy to kind of just think about, you know, where K-State sits right now. And, and I think you look at the defense. I think there are a lot of options for guys that could actually, like, see time on defense this year. And that's probably the, the most interesting part of it is you can pick guys at each level of the defense. But I think that, I think that we may see something from Felix Anadike this year, where I think he's probably got um, a lot of good potential there. And that would probably be the guy, like, if you're thinking he could make a major impact as a freshman or sophomore and not just kind of be like a, a role player or somebody that we seem like, oh, there he is occasionally. I think he could be a guy. It, that's very boomer bust, but I think that that's probably the, the way I would go. This is, this is how I'll reply to that. If it's Felix, then I would say all of a sudden we have found our next great defensive end because if he qualifies as the top breakout young player, I think that would – honestly be the best possible thing for K-State's defense. So I'm hoping you're right. Yeah, I, I, it's just kind of a fingers crossed situation because like I said, I'm, I'm really concerned about the defense this year. And I, I felt better about it walking away from Big 12 media days after how they talked about it. Still a little skittish on the linebackers. But as we like get further and further away from it, I kind of go, yeah, I don't really like where they're at. So we'll see where we end up. Definitely. All right. And then here we are. Here's here's the big ones. What is the pendulum game of the year? The one game that if we win, it could swing the season towards being great. Or if we lose, it'll swing it towards being bad. Well, I think there's a two week stretch there where you have kind of this big little push. Um, so Texas Tech is probably the real answer. Um, but I think the week prior, like if you're able to beat Iowa State at home, then like that takes the season to a different level than what you could maybe expect out of it. And I think that's going to like, that's going to be a huge game in itself. You, you're hopefully 
you know, four and one or something at that point, but it's more likely you're going to be three and two as long as you don't screw up in the non-conference. So I, I think that's going to be a big game itself, but the real answer is going to end up being Texas Tech because you could be three and three at that point going down to Lubbock or, you know, if something really nasty happens in one of the first three games, you could be two and four. All right, so now it's time. What is K-State's record going to be? I'm going with an optimistic seven and five. I think that seven and five is easily obtainable. I think I would be pleased with a seven and five season. And I would, I would say eight and four if the defense was in better shape, but it's not like if you had last year's defense because they had, you know, some other guys that could step up and help out with this year's offense and you knew you were going to have health you'd be eight and four. Like I think last year with a healthy team, they would have found a way to make themselves be eight and four. Like I think the offense would have had that much potential. They would have continued to grow, but COVID Skyler getting hurt kind of wrecked those chances. So like seven and five is probably a realistic spot for them to land this year. All right. Who's going to play in possibly the last ever big 12 championship? Um, well, I think it's not going to be Texas. So we don't have to worry about that. And I absolutely cannot pick Iowa State because I feel like they fall back down to earth. So I think it will be Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. It's Mike Gundy is kind of due for another like big year of being good, like significantly good, not seven and five or six and six or something like this is this is kind of his year. Same for Gary Patterson. It's also about time for him to have another one of those. Whoa, you guys are good again. And then next year they'll go four and eight. Well, that sure would be a wild uh, Big 12 championship game, especially if, you know, it looks like Oklahoma and Texas, this might be their last year. And then here's the final question. Take this, you know, as however in-depth or vague as you want it to be, who is K-State sharing a conference with in 2022? Um, and here's the thing. There are some people who are dead set on saying the Big 12 as is is around till 2024. So if that's where you land, if you don't think Texas and Oklahoma leave after I, this year, you can say that too. It's it's all up to you. I I don't think that – I, I just don't see any way. Like, if ESPN was this heavy-handed in making this thing happen, they're going to make a ginormous push to make this start next year. They're going to want to get this thing kind of rolling. And Oklahoma and Texas would be the same way, like, there's no reason to, to kind of stick around and hang out in something that, that isn't working. So I, I think that by 2022, you probably get everybody moving onward. So I, I think it's the eight Big 12 teams, as is right now, that are going to stick around. I'm not, even, I'm not even calling OU and Texas Big 12 teams anymore. Screw those guys. They're gone. Um, but I think, to me, Cincinnati seems like the most likely lock to add to the Big 12 because of football and basketball, both very solid, kind of where they're at, they'll fit in. And, like, they don't have any huge negatives attached to them. Like, Houston is going to have to fight with Texas Tech, TCU, and Baylor to, to get into the conference. I, I still think that happens, too. So I'll throw Houston in there because there's too much, like, potential with Houston. They're coming off of a Final Four. They're, you know, a great basketball program right now. And football has its moments. And Dana Holgerson would be perfect to be back in the Big 12. That would be amazing. Imagine the first Houston at West Virginia. Oh, that, that, we, we got to make that happen. That's why Houston needs to be in the league next year. Um, and, you know, like I wonder, because I don't know when everything is allowed for movement in the American Athletic Conference. Like, what if 
you want these teams, but you're trapped with rolling along at eight teams for a couple of seasons or something. That so, like I don't know if that would work out. That would not be great because I, I think in the American Athletic Conference bylaws, it is you have to give like 24 months notice and it's 10 million bucks. But as we've seen, you know, contracts, there's buyouts, there's negotiations, all that type of stuff. But here's my thing. If it if it does go eight teams, and so then you're having to add what? two non-con games i would tell you know the remaining big 12 schools go get the biggest fish you can you know yeah try to play arkansas bring in nebraska Oakland, or you know ohio state do whatever you can to get big names but you know i'm afraid that you can't make that happen in such a short notice so that might be that might be an ugly couple years if that if, if it is just the eight next year yeah, and that's that's probably why financially you have to make the move. And then I think elsewhere, like, uh, I know that there's a lot of pause and people kind of waver back and forth on, like, if BYU is going to come in. And I think it's the hopeful side of me. I think you got to add them just because of the potential that would be there for the revenue. They probably have the greatest chance of bringing you more eyeballs and money just because of, you know, that they're the only, to my knowledge, they're the only Mormon-affiliated Division One school in the country. So... Uh, that's bringing in a lot of people that have gone to BYU and, and that follow along with them that would, would play nicely. And then UCF kind of keeps getting brought up as well because of just where they're at and people think that there's a, a bunch of value there. And I think, I mean, UCF is one of the bigger schools in, in the country, the right? Biggest, the biggest school. So, you're, you know, that's another one where you're casting a wide net where not everybody that walks through UCF gives one crap about what football is doing, but you got a chance that somebody does. So I, I think those are probably the four teams that uh, realistically I would, I would say could happen. And probably the four out of the ones that are out there, I would want, like if, if we went pie in the sky, like you would hope that maybe you could poach some like bottom tier PAC 12 teams. But like, I just don't think that's realistic at this point in time, unless the PAC 12 starts disintegrating. And I kind of like, that would be the best, I think scenario for the big 12 is if the Pac-12 doesn't add K-State, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, some of those, then when you just kind of hope that some of the other teams move on, they fall apart, and you're able to steal some teams. Definitely. Well, that's all we have. This is the first of our Blitz Month preview shows. Um, we're going to be giving you about three to four of these every week up until game week. Number one in the lineup and in our hearts, Mason both plug anything you'd like to, to all the boneheads. And then uh, I'll let you get back to your, get back to your job. Mm, uh, I don't have, I don't have much to plug. You can follow me on Twitter at the real Mason V. Somebody asked me about it uh, the other day, like how long I've had Twitter uh, next month, August will be my, I guess this will probably air in August, but uh, it will be my 10 year Twitter anniversary. I've been on Twitter for 10 years. So since I was 13, I've, I've been on it. And that's why my handle is the real Mason V because at that time, everybody was like the real this. The first one I remember is Shaquille O'Neal was at the real Shaq. And so I just thought that's what you did. Wasn't long enough to put the real Mason both in there. So I went with at the real Mason V. So that's still around. And then, yeah, you can listen every morning, 6 to 9 a.m., 14 to 10 a.m., 93.9 FM in the Wichita area. To KGSO. Uh, and if you aren't in the area, but you want to listen to something that is going to feature me or something a little bit more local, then that will be uh, found on TuneIn as well. So 
those are really the only things that I have to plug. I still have my every Monday I appear on the game on K Man still to kick John's ass in music versus movies, which we just played the 50th game all time of, by the way. And I wiped the floor with him. He like just completely crumbled. It was embarrassing. Man, so I'm going to have to go back and listen to it. I, I did not listen to that yet. So, spoiler alerts, but I, I, I will enjoy seeing you win. Um, that's a great, great show. Um, and, you know, I, I occasionally I'll pop on, I'll watch you on Facebook Live. I listen to you. You do a great job. Thank you for coming on. And hopefully we'll get you on again soon. And uh, hopefully, you know, you can maybe uh, troll some or start some fights in the streets of Wichita between a random Oklahoma State and Oklahoma guy before it's all said enough. Yeah, I, I won't try to do that to them, but I'm sure I can find like a, a T-shirt Walmart Texas fan somewhere that, I can get riled up or something. Oh, but they may not be in the know enough, so I don't know. Real quick before before we go, do you already have the K State versus Wichita State game down in Wichita circled on your calendar? Oh, that's like your Super goodness. Bowl. Oh, absolutely is. I I it's going to be the most anticipated sporting event I've been to in my lifetime. I was I went to a game K State Wichita State at Coke Arena when I was like really young. So I don't remember a, t a ton about it when they were still playing back in the day. But this is going to be awesome. Now, I've got a lot riding on this game. I've kind of staked my entire reputation to K-State getting the job done here. So they better beat Wichita State because if they don't, then like freshman, sophomore high school Mason is back with the fire Bruce Weber train. And I'm sorry, Bruce, like great dude. I've come to accept and love Bruce as the K-State basketball coach. But you got to beat Wichita State or your ass is grass and I'm the lawnmower. <laughs> I love that. Mason, thanks again for coming on and we'll get you on again soon. Sounds good. Thanks. There was a ghost inside my room last night. She sang to me a lullaby, assuring me. Here I go, pass me the microphone, baby, I can show you what it takes to be king. There was a ghost inside my room last night, it came to me as no surprise. Let me go. It's a long walk home from here, baby. You can show me all the mistakes I made and still make. Inside my room last night 
Podcast Network.